Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, this past Sunday morning, you gave us the view from the valley. We did. We went back to that very, very familiar psalm, Psalms 23, the shepherd psalm. And we just kind of stayed right there and walked through that. And we love the front part of that passage where it talks about green pastures and quiet waters. But that passage makes a quick change in verse 4 to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. And so we talked about what we see from the valley and some lessons I think we need to learn. And we would always like to stay in those green pastures, and we would just love to have paths of righteousness all around us all the time. But sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a valley. And we need to see that the Lord has lessons for us even down in those valleys. If you have not had the opportunity to watch or listen to that sermon, I would most certainly encourage you to do it. It's right there front and center at charlestownroad.org. But of course, Roger, we set aside time here a few days later after the dust of the weekend has settled. The the seeds of Bible classes and sermons hopefully have begun to settle a little in hearts and It's one of my favorite conversations of the week, just to look back, and especially today, uh, what I'd encourage you to do and challenge you to do is think, okay, somebody is listening to this on the way to work today, and they are not looking forward to the day. Uh, You and I were just remarking before we hit the record button. We just never know who is listening. We get encouraging feedback from people we we never would have guessed are listening to these conversations, and that's great. So I, I want you to picture somebody who is in one of these valleys. When you picture that man or woman in your mind, uh, what do you see? What sort of valley? Well, there's all kinds of valleys. You know, we are still, here we are two or three weeks later since we started some of this, and uh, we still have a war going on in Europe, and it doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon, and that is a valley for a lot of people. You go to the gas pump, and you almost got to get a home loan to pay for it anymore. (laughs) That's a valley. We're getting pinched financially. A lot of people have health issues. And that's a major valley for them. There are some of our listeners who are in some spiritual valleys because somebody in their family or they themselves are just discouraged or things are not going right. There's been some wrong choices made. So valleys come in a lot of different ways and a lot of different flavors, we could say. And all of them can be deep and all of them can be scary. And we need to see how the Lord wants us to navigate through those kind of valleys. I think sometimes it's helpful for all of us to hear It was possible to have been in an assembly of Christians on Sunday and still experience a valley on Wednesday. There's nothing necessarily wrong with you. Now, certainly perspective perhaps needs to be refreshed or broadened, but someone with a man after God's own heart like David knew what it was to spend time in a dark valley. And I think a good example of that in our scriptures is 
that bent over woman. She was in the synagogue. She came there to worship God, and Jesus came in that day, and I don't know if everyone else had some valleys, but she obviously had a valley for a long, long time, and there she was. And so that's true within our assemblies. We, we have families that may have a prodigal. We have families that have some health issues. We've had some families that have just come home from cemeteries. And so, so there's a lot of stuff going on, and those emotions weigh on us, and sometimes they can even chip at our faith if we're not careful. So maybe this word in the middle of the week is a good encouragement to someone, a reminder that, okay, I'm in a valley today, but that doesn't mean I should plan now to miss that assembly of worship this coming Sunday. Valleys come, valleys go. Let's talk for a moment about the view. Your the title began with the view from the valley. For somebody who doesn't have a strong relationship with God, what do you imagine that view looks like? That's a really dark view. It's dark because without the presence of God, they don't realize that God is running the universe. God is upon the throne. They are alone in this valley. And worry and fear dominate their lives. They they are scared. They don't know what to do. And they are just consumed with the problem. And from their perspective, I've got to get out of this valley as quick as I can, and this is just destroying my life. Whereas when we look at Psalms 23, we, you know, we, it's presented as if the shepherd is God and the sheep are us. And so there's a shepherd in front of us leading us. And when they got to that valley, he didn't say, I meet you on the other side, boys, <laughs> or good luck. The shepherd was still leading them. They were going right through that valley. But one of the comforting things in verse 4 of Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And so there was that presence of God, the rod and the staff of the shepherd comfort that person. Here's a person, even though he's going through some scary times, he doesn't know what's going to turn out. He knows that God is with him. The person who doesn't have that, he's on his own. And that's where sometimes wrong choices seem so appealing. The bottle seems to be a solution. The pill seems to be a solution. For some, it's just ending their life because they're in this, they're by themselves, they have no hope. And so that's why the presence of God, a relationship with God, makes such a difference as we journey through life. Maybe it's a good reminder as to why some of the people we will interact with today are the way they are, uh, why they're acting the way they're acting, treating others the way that they are treating others. I, I know I, um, a, a big part of my life is dropping off a teenager at high school every weekday, sometimes picking her up from high school. And every once in a while, she will just wonder out loud the way that all of us uh, can, can very easily relate to. Why do some people do what they do? Why are, are some teenagers 
acting the way they are acting, thinking the way they're, they're thinking. And of course, we don't outgrow that as teenagers. If we don't have a relationship with God, that stretches into our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, beyond that, of course. But if we will put those lenses on, Perhaps that helps us to grow a little in compassion and an important reminder that what I have, what is missing in this person's life, perhaps there is something I can do today to have them look up from the depths of this valley. Yeah, let me throw a passage on that. It's in 1 Peter 3.15, where Peter writes, But sanctify Christ as the Lord in your hearts. That's step number one. You've got to make Jesus the king of your life. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And I think through the years this has been taught that you got to be able to answer any question in the world. Well, that's not what this passage is saying. There are questions. I don't understand what the question is. I can't, I can't even answer because I don't know what the question is. There are some questions that are beyond me. I, I can't answer them. I, I don't know the answer to them. What he's saying here is people are asking you to give an account for the hope. Yeah. Why are you not scared now? Why are you calm? Why are you not worried? Why are you not, you know, we could go be in World War III by next week. We could be, have this problem, that problem. You know, all these problems, and, and all they see is gloom and doom and darkness. But here you are walking in the office with a smile on your face. Here you are chipper, and here you are happy, and here you are. Now, it doesn't mean everything's going right in the world, nor in your life. But you know who's in charge. And they see that. And how is it you have this? You got something that they don't, and that's hope. Hope that's founded in Jesus. I, let's camp there for the next few minutes because I think that's, that's a powerful, powerful reminder. Okay. So I have hope because I have a shepherd. I have a relationship with this shepherd. And uh, that doesn't mean I'm not going to have to go through valleys just like everybody else. But he intends, Roger, you made the point powerfully in your sermon, God intends me to journey through this valley with him. So let's maybe put some practical layers on that. Here I am Wednesday. It's not been the easiest week, perhaps. It's not been the easiest month, the easiest couple of years. And uh, I, I I don't know, as you brought out in your sermon, how long this valley is going to last. Maybe it turns out to be longer than I anticipated, scarier than I thought, uh, going to require more faith and courage than I ever thought that I, I might be able to have. So how can I make sure today? I, I can't go back and change the past. I can't control tomorrow. How can I make sure I'm journeying with the shepherd through the valley today? See, sometimes we we make the mistake that if I'm in a difficult period of my life, things aren't running real smooth, the sun's not shining for me, I made a mistake somewhere. I made a wrong turn. And had I been following the Lord closely, I would not be in where I am. But you look at the life of the Apostle Paul. There were shipwrecks. There was prisons. There was beatings. He followed the Lord. 
But those are some things he had to go through. We look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know the story so well. They were doing what God wanted them to do, but they faced a fiery furnace. Daniel got thrown in a lion's den, not because he was protesting the government, but because he was praying. He was simply praying in his room, and he got thrown in a lion's den. So following God sometimes will put you in these valleys. So what I should be doing is, number one, I I need to be praying to God, uh, especially when I'm in these valleys, praying that God will open my eyes and I'll see things, praying that God can use me to help others who are right behind me, praying that I can get through this with the right resolute mind and heart and spirit as God wants me to. You know, the valleys are, are, are difficult times in our lives. That's when we need to God. And that's when we need to be looking in his word. Passages like the Psalms will help us as we journey through these difficult moments in our life, realizing God knows these things. And God wants me to be strong through these things. It very well may be that you're struggling with prayer right now, and we certainly are trying to be sensitive to that during these difficult times. And so on Fridays all this month, we're looking at, okay, what do we do when we know we ought to pray, but we don't know what to pray Four, if you missed the first episode in that series, we would certainly encourage you to go back a few episodes in your podcast feed and pick that up. Be ready for part two this coming Friday. Uh, Roger, I, I think one of the most powerful things that the Psalms help me uh, be reminded of and, and learn how to practice is, okay, what I know can be greater than what I am feeling, or more accurately, the one I know is greater than what I am feeling. I I am just fascinated by this pattern that we see so often in the Psalms where they begin with, this is what I see, and it's scary, or this is what I'm experiencing, and it's lonely. This is what I'm feeling, and it's very unsettling. But the psalmists have a way of reminding themselves after that, this is what I know to be true. I can't change what's going on around me, but this is who my shepherd is. And by the end of the psalm, they have discovered more solid ground. They have found light in the midst of the valley. And what you find throughout the psalms is two repeated words over and over. So many of those psalms that deal with difficulties and oppression, you find that God is a refuge and God is a rock. And when they refer to, refer to God as a rock, it's not like, okay, I'm walking down the path and put this rock in my pocket. Uh, they're talking about a boulder, something that cannot be moved. We couldn't push it if we wanted to push it. It is huge. It's unmovable. Uh, the rock that Jesus talked about, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The storms came, and that house stood that's that's the refuge. That's the hope the psalmist would have as he went through these valleys is that I don't have the answers. The answer is not within me. Answers, as I said in my sermon, it's not in the White House. It's not in the State House, the Courthouse, even the Church House. It's in God. That is the answer. Uh, I love what John says in 1 John 4, 4. He says, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And so that that thought reminds me that we can look at the problem, and the problem can seem like a giant monster right in front of us. How in the world am I going to get around this? But then I look inward at the Lord who's in my heart, 
God is greater than anything. There were Egyptians. God took care of them. There was a sea that had to be parted. God dealt with that. The lion's mouths were shut by God. Fiery furnaces didn't hurt God's people. Prison doors opened up. God can do anything. And so we need to realize that's who we trust in troublesome times. I may not have the answers. Maybe I turn to my brethren. Maybe I turn to my family. And no one knows, but God does. And so I just trust what he has said, follow his lead through the scriptures. That is how I stay close to him. Before you finished your sermon, you challenged us to think about opportunities. And for someone who is listening today, maybe they think, okay, opportunity in terms of, well, there are Bible classes tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. There's an opportunity for me to be strengthened. But that really wasn't the opportunity you were talking about. It's opportunities all of us have even as we go through those valleys? What sort of opportunities? Well, you know, as I just mentioned, opportunities to pray to him, yeah. opportunities to gather and worship him. You know, sometimes we want to wait till we're on the other side of the valley, then I'll get back to worship. Now, let me get through this pandemic, then I'll get back to worshiping. Let me get through this trial in my family, then I'll get through. And, and No, during that time period, you do this. And that's when you need God so much. The idea of letting the Lord uh, 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 lead you through scriptures, leaning on him and and trusting him, praying to him, reading his word, those are all wonderful opportunities. Uh, You're going to have a test this week in uh, the hospital. Well, while you're laying on that stretcher there, pray. And there's lots of different directions you can pray. Pray that the test turn out well. Pray for the hands that's going to be working on you. Pray that you will have a resolute and calm heart through all this. Lots of things can happen. And, and, and through that and through your experience, you can lead others. Uh, who don't have that kind of hope. I, I love that last note because that that's what immediately came to my mind. It's an opportunity to shine, right? It's an opportunity to practice and exhibit hope, hope perhaps that will be seen by someone who doesn't have the perspective of God as my shepherd and who knows the doors that could be opened as a result of exhibiting that hope. I'll just throw out one more. When we are vulnerable, when we ask for help, when we humble ourselves and ask our brothers and sisters to pray for us. It creates an opportunity for others to serve, to pray for us, to be there for us. And perhaps I rob my brothers and sisters of that sort of an opportunity when I act like everything's okay and it's really not okay, even in my weaknesses there are opportunities. Yeah, you know, and, and back to that Peter passage we just referred to, First Peter 3.15, when people are asking you to give the count for the hope, our hope is visible. How else do you know, they know you have hope unless they see it? They're hearing it in your words. They're seeing it in your body language. They're seeing it in your actions. And, and so you're conducting yourself, even though you're in a valley, so different than everyone else. And that is visible, and that is attractive. And that's something that people say, man, I wish I could be like that. I wish I wasn't so scared when I have this surgery, or I wish I wasn't so scared because what's going on in the world today. And they recognize that in you, and that's because of the way you conduct yourself. It becomes 
uh, seen and visible to other people. All right, let's end on a hopeful note. The next to last line of Psalm 23, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's a beautiful idea. Roger, when you hear that, what what comes to your mind? Well, you know, uh, other translations will use expression goodness and loving kindness. Mm -hmm. Here's someone who's following the Lord. And so, number one, he's doing what's right. And so he's going to be making right choices. He's not going to, he's not going to say, you know, I'm in a valley now. The world's falling apart. I'm falling apart. I'm going to get some bottles of alcohol. I'm going to just drink it away. And then he's going to live with guilt and remorse and all kinds of regrets. Uh, no, that, that, that's not goodness following him. That, that's problems following him. So goodness follows because he's following the Lord. Loving kindness or mercy, uh, forgiveness follows him because he's walking with the Lord. And I believe he's leaving footprints. That's how I see this. I, I visualize a, a, a actual shepherd, an actual sheep walking through this. And after they've gone through that valley, there's all these footprints of the animals who've walked through. There's a shepherd's sandal prints as he's led them. And here comes somebody else. And he's following, and he sees all these footprints. And what he doesn't see is dead sheep on the side. <laughs> he doesn't see a shepherd who's, cl- who's trying to climb his way out, and he's hanging on a rock screaming. He doesn't see that. He sees all these fr- footprints, and as he follows them, they, they made it through. They made it through. I can make it through. And so the legacy within my family, my church family, that as I go through things, it's not just me getting it through, but I'm leaving footprints that others can follow. Goodness and loving kindness will follow me. What a beautiful mindset to have here in the middle of the week that if I follow the good shepherd, goodness and steadfast love will be in my wake, not because of me, but because of the one that I am following. And who knows who might pick up that trail and follow the good shepherd all the way home as well. A beautiful, beautiful thought. There's a reason this is perhaps the greatest, most well-known psalm of all. And Roger, we appreciate you walking us through it this past Sunday. We talked about opportunities earlier this evening, of course, Lord willing, at 7 o'clock. We have all sorts of opportunity in the context of our church family. Roger, you're teaching in the auditorium. We're still doing our series on the teacher Jesus. And last week we looked at the parables about the kingdom. We're going to look at a few of the other parables of Jesus that that talked about other things. He used parables several times to answer questions or to deal with situations. We'll talk about how come, and then we'll look at those parables. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we've got a new month. And so on Wednesdays throughout the month of March, we're pivoting into a study of who is God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We're going to tackle this question that makes a lot of people scratch their heads this evening. Is God one or is God three? What do we mean when we refer to the Godhead or the the Trinity? We're diving into the nature of God so that we can continue to develop 
personal relationships with him. Lord willing, this Sunday morning, I have the opportunity to preach. I'm going to reach into our upcoming daily Bible reading that is taking us through the Gospel of Matthew. It fits in perfectly with our theme for the year. I am his, he is mine. We're going to listen to Jesus as in Matthew 11, he describes himself as gentle and lowly. What did he mean by that? What difference does it make in our lives and what is he calling us to do as a result? Roger at five o'clock p.m. Five o'clock p.m. When I get done to the sermon, I may be in a valley. But <laughs> I'm going to preach on something I've never preached on before and uh, it's, it's a challenge to me. But I'm going to talk about little girls to godly women and just focus upon uh, that concept, what culture teaches women they have to be like, and what the Bible teaches. And in a few weeks after that, when I'm back on a Sunday night, we're going to talk about little boys to godly men and look at that contrast as well. It's what God wants us to do and how we need to raise our families in a godly way. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 